Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Murat, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Toddcast Show. I'm your host, Todd Mira, and we're joined today by our guest, Craig Van Slyke. Did I get that right, Craig? You did. You did. Good job. I love it. Thank you. And welcome to the show. How are you today? Doing all right. Thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Me too, and I appreciate the communication behind the scenes. I really do. You're a good man. I, I really appreciate you, brother. No problem. And may I ask where you're calling from? So I live in the big city of Eris, Louisiana. So we're in northeast Louisiana, um, almost where Mississippi, Louisiana, and Arkansas all come together. So if you're familiar with Duck Dynasty, I, mm. my house is about a half an hour south of their uh, office. So Awesome. We're That's kind of, cool, and you're being facetious, of course, about the big city, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> there are several hundred people living there, I think, but we're not oh, in the city. So. Yeah, I moved from uh, Arizona just six months ago here to the Las Vegas area, and um, I went from the country on a dirt road at the end of the dirt road with mountains everywhere, and uh, I think there was 1,800 people in the town when I left. No traffic lights, no delivery, no DoorDash, no pizzas coming, you know, nothing. And now I'm in the midst of everything, organized chaos. It's really wild, let me where, tell you. Where were you in Arizona, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, no, not at all, please. Um, it's in Mayer, Arizona, which was actually in the center of the state, up in the mountains, just south of Prescott, Arizona, by about 22 miles. And uh, north of Phoenix by 80 miles or so. I, I spent six years in uh, Flagstaff. 
Oh, okay, great. Yeah, that's about um, an hour and a half away, something yeah. like that. I, yeah, from where I'm I was. familiar with the area, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, when I worked for the census in 2020, I got a chance to go up in Flagstaff and do a bunch of addresses there, and it was really cool. It was actually one of the places I tried to move to before I came to Nevada, um, but man, I was really surprised. Even in the mountain in the country, I couldn't beat the price. Like I looked everywhere, and I couldn't find a reasonable fee for a home to rent. And then I looked around in Nevada and found Henderson to be quite affordable and it's a booming economy and it's growing and it's really kind of exciting actually to be a part of it, you know. Nice. Now, Flagstaff housing is out of sight. There's no doubt. I know. Yeah. It's because of the students, I think, right? They can take what they want because they have choice. The students and uh, so many people from the Phoenix area have summer homes in Flag. Uh, that, explains it. The price. Yeah. that explains it. Some of us are just struggling to keep our first homes. I, yeah, I know. There's people with a summer home. That sounds yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. Yeah, I'm just as happy staying in a hotel, to be honest with you. So, you know, whatever. But I always wonder what it was like to have an, a second house that sat around for most of the year. It's like, it, to me, that just seems so strange, you know? Yeah, I agree. But... Cool. And where were you born, Craig? I was born in Atlanta. I'm a military brat. My dad was in the Army, and I was born in Atlanta, and we moved all over, and I kind of grew up in Orlando after he retired from the Army. Very cool. Yeah, I spent some time with my father before he died in Winter Park, uh, Florida, you know, just outside of Orlando. Yep. Know it well. That was really nice. Great place. Good jazz. W-L-O-Q. This jazz station was my favorite, man. Yep. Wow. Brings back memories. And did you grow up with siblings? I did. I had um, two brothers, one five years older, one five years younger. And unfortunately, I lost my younger brother a few years ago. But uh, So sorry. Still two of us around. I'm sorry to hear that. And are your parents still with us? No, they're, they, they're both gone. Uh, my father died in the late 90s, and my mother died at the age of 97 uh, wow. a couple of years ago. So, yeah, she... she uh, she did it right. She was in good health up until the end. Man, I know this is kind of off topic and out of order of what I would like to do here, but just out of curiosity, what do you think uh, were her secrets to longevity? Um, she did leave, live a pretty clean life. You know, she didn't smoke. She didn't drink. Um, she watched what she ate. But I think the bottom line is good genetics. Her, her grandmother lived to be almost 90, I think. Which was, you know, that many generations ago, that was really old. Right? Yeah, back in the day, they used to die around 30 or 40, right? Like, things have changed quite a bit. So, I think having good genes is the secret. Absolutely, and not Levi's. (laughs) (laughs) Or Jordash. That's right. Definitely not Jordash on on my figure, that's for sure. Right, right. I feel the same way, but I'm hitting the gym, so we're making that a, we're making that a change. Um, so, uh, can I ask a strange question, just kind of off the cuff? What is the very earliest? We're going to explore your life today. Uh, what's the earliest memory that you can recall off the top of your head from your life? You know, it's it's hard to know what's a true memory and what's a planted memory, and, and th- this is going to sound just ridiculous because it is. I have this memory of searching for Civil War artifacts in Germany when we were kids, and I would have been about five, four or five, 
Now, why, you know, we found old rusty cans and just decided they were from the Civil War, even though we were not in the United States. But uh, that's kind of one of my first memories is being all excited about these rusty cans because we were just sure that they were from the Civil War. But very cool. Yeah. I don't remember. That's amazing. And um, artifacts are always really fun. I've I've had a chance to collect a few things here and there from like the desert or mine shafts or things like that, you know. Um, so Georgia, born in Georgia, how'd you get to Germany? So my father was stationed there for a few years. Uh, oh, right. My brother was actually born there. Um, okay. So we spent three years in Germany, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then uh, he was transferred back to the States. He was. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact sequence, um, but he, he came back to the States and then he ended up in Vietnam. He was in World War II, the Korean conflict end in Vietnam. Um, and then after he he got out of Nam, when they were going to send him back, he decided to retire. He was in his, oh, probably mid to late 40s at the time, decided he was too old to be in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's wild. And um, what are some memories that you might remember from your childhood that you could share with us today? You know, I, I remember having a really good childhood. Um, being a, a military brat is not a bad thing at all in some ways. Uh, you move around a lot, so you learn to make friends pretty quickly. Uh, but there are always other kids around. There are always activities, you know, bowling alleys, movie, little league, all that kind of thing. So it was a pretty idyllic childhood, despite I don't think we had much money. I don't really remember. But uh, I, I remember it being a pretty good childhood overall. That is amazing. That's amazing. And um, during your life, what would you say for each of your parents, if I could ask, would be the things that each of them uh, taught you and uh, their legacy in your life? Like what would some things be that you could share that came from your parents and your your teaching as a young person? So one of the, the biggest, so let me talk kind of about both of them first. They both taught us um, to be good people. You know, we, we, were, we were brought up to be kind, to be considerate, not to be pushovers by any means, but, you know, just to not always make it about yourself. Uh, that there are other people out there in the world, and you know they deserve your respect. Um, the uh, the only time I ever remember my dad really laying into me like they used to back then was when I lied to him. Um, it, it was really funny. I was pretending to shave, and I was probably in fourth grade, and you know with predictable and bloody results. Well, but being a smart kid, I thought, oh, I'll clean everything up. So I cleaned up, you know, the sink and all that. And then the old man asked me, what'd you do to your face? Oh, what are you talking about? So you've got a cut on your face. Oh, I I was playing with some paper. It must be a paper cut. (laughs) (laughs) I was not the brightest child. Um, And he said, yeah, are you sure it wasn't something else? What do you mean? He looked at me and he said, you forgot to clean the razor. No, man, it's not clean the blood off of the razor. Oh, Lord. So he, he gave me a pretty good uh, little tanning. I mean, we, just, we didn't get beaten or anything, but we got spanked. And he told me, he said, you know, I don't care that you cut yourself. You know, I don't want you to play with that kind of thing. But you'd have been all right if you hadn't lied to me. And, and I swear to you, that's the last lie I've told. 
Very I, cool. Yeah. I will not say something, but I won't, you know, if I don't want to say it, I won't say it, but I will not lie. That's right. Yeah. I've learned that integrity is really the most important thing that we have. And it's uh, something that people tend to appreciate unless, of course, they're full of it, you know, <laughs> they might not like it right. so much. Yeah. Yeah. I and, agree. Totally. And they, they both really taught us to be people of integrity. And we, my brothers and I all had the reputation of being people that you can rely on. Um, mm -hmm. and at my younger brother's uh, funeral, there were numerous people that talked about how, you know, he had helped them out without any expectation of anything in return, you know, mm -hmm. when they were having some kind of a difficult time. And he never, you know, he didn't brag about it or anything. It's just kind of who he was. Very cool. Very cool. And um, was there anything independently you wanted to mention regarding your parents and their lessons? You know, my, my dad um, also taught me that you, you're kind of, I'm trying to think how I want to say this. Um, if you want something, you work for it. If you're not willing to work for it, then you didn't really want it. Um, I wanted these really cool suede Puma basketball shoes. When I was in, I don't know, probably ninth grade. Mm -hmm. And the coach required the Canvas uh, Converse Chuck Taylor All-Stars, which were $10 at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think the suede were probably 30 or $40. And I told my dad I really wanted those suede shoes. And he handed, he said, well, what are you required to have? Well, we have to have these shoes. And how much are those? Well, they're 10 bucks. So he pulled a $10 bill out of his lawnmower and says, there's $10 and there's a lawnmower. If you want them, go get them. Awesome. And and I did. So, you know, we kind of got taught that. And, and my mother taught me um, steadiness. She was always very steady no matter what was going on. Um, you know, not in some disaffectionate way, but just, you know, you you do what you have to do. And there are some things you do just because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, you, you act you act right. Um, and that was a big, strong lesson for us. Very cool. Very cool. And siblings, when the relationship is solid and, and tight, you know, there's a lot of value there. Is there anything along these lines that you can think of related to what you learned from your siblings? Um, you know, I learned a lot from my older brother. Matter of fact, I still... You know, to this day, if they're like financial things, real estate, um, I'll call him up and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. What do you think? Um, and he'll do the same for me. He started teaching part time at a university. And, you know, if he had some sort of a, um, an issue with a class, he'd call me up because that's my area. That's my area of expertise. Okay. And so part of that larger lesson is that you... You know, you recognize that you have some areas of expertise, but you're not expert at everything. And you shouldn't be worried about asking others who know more than you do for their opinion. Like my, my younger brother was really into uh, things like photography, that sort of thing. So if I had a, you know, if I was looking at getting a camera, I'd pick up the phone and call him and say, hey, man, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And he'll say, oh, that's a good deal or no. You know, here are the problems with that one. You want to look at this one. Um, and so even though he was younger than me, he knew more about me. He knew more than I do about did about that kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you reach out and contact the experts. Very cool. Very cool. 
And as you grew, um, you know, through your childhood and whatnot, did you move around a lot or were you stable with your father being in the military? So once uh, my father retired, uh, when my older brother was getting ready to start high school, he wanted to be in one location, you know, so he could start and finish at the same school and play sports and that kind of thing. Um, so we lived in Orlando and, and my brother still lives in Orlando uh, to this day. Uh, I stayed there until I got out of my undergrad and then I moved away and then I came back and then I moved away again and then I came back and then I moved away again. So I've kind of been all over once I um, kind of got started in my career. But uh, we, we had, you know, I started, I think, fifth grade. We moved to Orlando and I was there until I got out of college. So wow. it was pretty stable. Very cool. Very cool. And in your early childhood, what did you think you wanted to do when you grew up? You know, this is going to sound pretty crazy, but I remember uh, putting down being a college professor on one of those forms you fill out early on. Um, and, you know, that's, it didn't, wasn't a direct path, but that's, you know, what I've been for the last 20 something years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. And, um, wow. Along those lines, did you like spend a lot of time studying and reading when other people were out playing? What was different about your life? No, I, I'm, um, my wife calls me a border collie. So I've got kind of two speeds. I'm on or I'm off. Um, and so I, I would study a lot in high school, but, you know, I had my friends and played football and, you know, played pickup basketball all the time, did all that sort of thing. But I would just stay up late and study. Then I went a little crazy in college and didn't do quite so well in my undergrad program, but it, it was okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Was it just challenging or were you distracted? No, I, th I think I was tired of studying all the, you know, I studied a lot in high school. I took calculus and multiple years of chemistry and physics and all of that. And I think when I got to college and it wasn't quite as imposed, I didn't study as hard as I should have. I mean, I still did fine. You know, I graduated with a three point something average, so I didn't flunk out or anything, but uh, mm -hmm. I didn't, was not quite the dedicated student in my undergrad. Very cool. Wow. But you made it. That's what counts, right? Yeah, yeah. I graduated on time and all that kind of thing, but could, I could have done better. Very cool. Very cool. And is there anything um, along the lines of adversity that come to mind relating to your childhood or early development? Um, you know, we were shielded from a lot of the adversity that I think my parents faced. I know money was very tight when my father was in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he was never, you know, he was never wealthy, but it didn't seem to affect us much. Mm -hmm. um, so I really have no complaints, you know, about cool. the childhood part of it. Um, it. It was pretty, you know, it wasn't, like I said, we weren't rich or any of that kind of thing, but it was about as stable and um, about as good a childhood as you could ask for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um so this is kind of an off-the-wall question, but if you could say something to each of your mother and father or them together today, let's say they could pop back into your life for just one moment and you had a chance to say something to them, what would you say? Um, I would probably first say thank you. 
Um, and I mean that in the deepest, most sincere fashion. But also, you know, they're looking back, there were some times I should have listened and didn't. But I'm guessing you could say that and most people could say that. But, you know, you you, uh, you realize the wisdom your parents had uh, as you get older. So Got that right. Yeah, I've made my fair share of mistakes, boy, I'll tell you. And uh, as I get older, I recognize, you know, the error of my ways. And you, know, you can't go back and correct it, but you can no. only hope for forgiveness, you know. Yeah, nothing you can do about it now. You know, you just kind of have to live with with where you are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned in high school and all, you were taking some, you know, pretty, uh, you know, it I kind of advanced courses, I guess, a little bit off the chart of uh, entry level. Um, what motivated you to pursue your career as a teacher? Well, I, you know, in high school, I planned to be an engineer and then I got into college and realized I didn't like engineering, but that was kind of what I was preparing for. My older brother's an engineer and I was good at math and science. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, that's kind of the track I was on. Uh, you know, I knew I wanted to go to college and we didn't have a lot of money. So I knew I was going to have to get the best record I could in high school to help out with the funding. Uh, and I, I liked the stuff. You know, I, I really enjoyed those kinds of classes. So it wasn't, you know, maybe I'm making it sound like it was some, you know, just grueling grind. But I, I liked the classes, had good teachers, so it really wasn't that big a deal to me to take those courses. Um, very cool. Very cool. And is there anything that stands out um, that happened to you growing up or even in your early adult life um, that really caused a challenge for you? Not just adversity, but like did something ever happen that, you know, threw you off track or threatened to throw you off track? Yeah, I I don't know what this is exactly adversity, but I made a huge mistake in staying home and going to school instead of going away. Um. To, without getting into all the details, I had a, a pretty good uh, set of uh, scholarships to go to Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. And then I picked up another fellowship uh, through the Disney Foundation. And I had this all planned out in my head. And then Georgia Tech cut some of their funding because of the fellowship that I got. So some of, some of their funding was need-based. And I decided I didn't want to go into debt uh, that much to go to school, which you know, in retrospect, was pretty ridiculous on my part. I would have made it up, you know, on the salary differential in a couple of years. Uh, but that kind of threw me off track for a while. Okay. Um, you know, I have no complaints about where I went to school, but it just would have been better developmentally, you know, to kind of get out of your comfort zone and go meet new people and, you know, be in a strange city and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But you don't think about that kind of thing when you're a kid. No, definitely not. And when you decided to uh, pursue teaching, and if you could, could you state your actual title and what you do? Yes, I am the McAllister Eminent Scholar Chair in Information Systems at Louisiana Tech University. So that just means I'm a professor. Uh, Very cool. Uh, a lot of my job is dealing with uh, with our doctoral students and trying to get them started in their careers. Um, but I teach undergraduates as well. Nice. Amazing. Yeah, it's a good, the deciding. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, it's a good. It's a good gig. 
It sounds like it. It sounds great. And it's good to be in that position of leadership and mentoring people. It's got to be really exciting. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. What was the, the main deciding factor for you between engineering and pursuing your current career? Well, I, I was, um, like I said, I was in engineering school. I think it was in my third year and just decided I didn't like it. So I switched over to business. Oh. Um, and then I bounced around. I was in the computer and engineering industries for about 10 years. Um, I was one of the really early computer-aided drafting guys, uh, AutoCAD, which is the big system people use now. It, it, I was one of the early adopters of that. Um, but I started teaching part-time at a, a branch campus of a local university and decided I really liked that, and that's what I wanted to do for my career. So I decided to step away from what I was doing and go back to school and get my doctorate and, uh, you know, suck it up and be poor for a few years. And, and it's been great. I, you know, it's the best thing I've ever done. Um, mm -hmm. but, but it's a big step. I was almost 40 when I got my doctorate. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And uh, you mentioned a wife. Um, do you have kids? No kids. We have... Uh, Three dogs, three cats, two horses, and a goat. Awesome. No kids, no children. Yeah, I, I think you got the better into the deal. I don't think it's for everybody, but, you know, thank God for good parents. It just makes life a little easier and more complicated for those with the kids, you know. Um, that, but the that payoff you, is good. Do you, you, don't, you don't have any kids, do you? No, I don't, and I'm not married either. So... Yeah, it's, uh, you know, everything's got its ups and its downs, and you just kind of have to find your path. Uh, yeah, totally, man. For me, I grew up without a father. My father left when I was 18 months old and oh, man. came back into my life when I was 11. I got a chance to spend a few years with him, uh, several years, actually, before he died, and we got to live together and all that. And uh, I really thank God for him. He was a real blessing to me and really helped to shape my spirituality and my outlook on life in some ways that my mother just didn't. And I will say, though, in my mother's credit, to my mother's credit, that she really did instill some values in me that, you know, I still practice to this day. And she was the one that taught me right from wrong and helping me to understand, you know, uh, some things. I was a developmentally disabled child, actually, when I was young and hyperactive and, you know, very kind of out of control and all that. And uh, that lasted a really long time. So, you know, God bless her. I'm sure it wasn't much fun. I know that we had a lot of challenges and things like that, but, you know, it, it really helped a lot. But, you know, I've always had a heart for single moms. And, um, you know, if, if it's meant to be that I should have children, I'd prefer them to be someone else's children that need a father figure. You know, that would be my heart's desire, I think, to pursue it that way. Otherwise, I'm going to get a dog. <laughs> yeah, do dogs are pretty great. Uh, yeah, they sure are. <laughs> yeah, by, <laughs> well, we, not that we do this to our dogs, but yeah, if you if you leave your kids by themselves for eight hours and put them in a crate, you get in a lot of trouble, but <laughs> the dogs are okay with it. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, you know what, CPS calling you up and all that, you know, but yeah, that's a funny joke. We, 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 we try, I'll say for the record that we treat our animals extremely well. But matter of fact, my little joke is that when I die, I want to come back as one of my animals because I can't imagine a better life you know, or they have. Yeah. But we was like that in our family. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, that's a good marker on a person's character is how they treat animals. I'm, you know, a lot of people have said that, but I've found it to be really true. If you're, you know, if you're kind of mean and dismissive to animals, then, yeah, you know, odds are you're probably not that great a person. But that's my take. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And, and honestly, any living creature, um, but especially, you know, animals and humans and children too. Yep. Um, you know, I agree completely. If you can't practice patience and love in those areas, then uh, you might want to do a little self-evaluation or see someone. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you need help. You know, sometimes it's too much to do by yourself, but. Ain't it the truth? That's exactly right. Um, just out of curiosity, if you could be anything else besides who you are today in terms of career, would there be anything else that you might choose if you could just kind of pop into that life? You know, if, if I could figure out a way to make a living doing it, I'd love to be a philosopher. Mm. I, I really focus a lot of my uh, thinking time on on trying to figure out how to live a good life and in the mm. kind of the deep sense of the word word and you know a lot of that draws on philosophy, but uh, that's a tough way to make a living. Um, you know, there's no reason why you can't still do that as an author or um, some type of contributor in a way like this podcast that we're doing. You could have a podcast that explores uh, life philosophies and different uh, modes of thinking and stuff like that. You can still do that on the side, I think. Well, and if you don't mind me plugging my podcast. Uh, oh, no, please. My, my podcast, Live Well and Flourish focuses on blending um, philosophy and psychology to uh, to enable you to gain practical wisdom to live an excellent life. Perfect. So I really like my, my minor and my PhD is in cognitive psychology, and a lot of what I do on my research side of things draws from social psychology. And so I try to blend some of that in with you know, Aristotle, the Stoics, some of the Eastern philosophies, and my very shallow understanding of those to try to come up with practical ways to live well. And and by living well, I don't mean, you know, going after wealth or, or money or power, but just to kind of live that uh, that flourishing life that the, that the uh, ancient philosophers talked about. Absolutely. So, so you're right. You know, you can, you can find ways to do it. Uh, yeah. Uh, what type of, um, fulfillment does that provide you, especially in the context of your normal career, there must be kind of a balance of stress and pleasure, I would think, in some way. Yeah, it, um, so that's an interesting question. Um, I don't try to make any money off of my podcast, and there's no way for anybody to give me money through my podcast. It, it's all about me trying to serve my purpose of helping people live successful, meaningful lives. Um, and however, you know, you might want to define success or you might want to find meaning. And I'm a big believer that, that there are almost infinite ways that you can serve a purpose. And one of the things that can really help you live a good life is to understand your purpose and then find ways within your current circumstances to live according to that purpose. And so... You know, I do it when I work with doctoral students. I do it when I help my undergrads. I do it through the podcast. Um, and, you know, things like download numbers don't matter that much. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and, and then it helps me think through some of the things that I'm, 
that I ponder, you know, that I wonder about. Um, so it's a, it's a nice rounding out from some of the more uh, academic kinds of things. Uh, in the academic world, you write something, you have to have citations to back it up and really rigorous logic. And on the podcast, I just say what I think. Exactly. I don't have to cite any references. Yeah, join the club. It's what I love about this. I just get to be me and enjoy interacting with you. And, you know, there's no agenda whatsoever. Right. It's your podcast. You get to do what you want. Pretty much. Pretty much. And not only that, but my goal is, of course, to help bring things to light for people that are looking for answers and interesting uh, ways of looking at things through the eyes of my my um my guess, you know, and so my hope is that people will glean something, of course, from not only this conversation, but all of my episodes, there's uh, so many different types of people and things like that, you know, and I think communication is one of those things that unfortunately in our current society with technology, the way that it is, it's a uh, kind of a dividing factor, I think, unfortunately. And, you know, I miss the days when you had to like drive to someone's house or ride your bicycle or even walk. Um, you know, you pick up the phone and call. There were no answering machines once upon a time. And, you know, if there was an answering machine that was really cool and it was kind of exciting and you were kind of fancy, but these days it's like, man, it's all right in your hand, right in front of your face at all times. And I think, you know, texting, especially there's just something lost in the art of communication and that whole process. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, there's actually some academic research to back that up about, uh, I call it the richness of media. Um, you know, you just can't see all of the communication cues with the text. I mean, that that's the whole thing about, uh, you know, the little smileys or whatever they're called now. Emojis. Emojis, yeah. They started out as smileys and then emoticons and now emojis. But, you know, those are attempts to try to communicate some of the nonverbal uh, aspects of face-to-face -face communication or, or even tone of voice. So we definitely lose something. Um, I'm I'm more concerned about the algorithms on social media, though. You know, they're they're set up to reward extreme reactions, and so dopamine, dopamine yeah, yeah, and you know, you I, I don't know. It's uh, every election season. I just uh, and I'm not getting into politics, but every election season. I just go through muting people until it's over, and then I'll unmute them. And that's right. You know, regardless of which side of the aisle, it's like just you know, I'm not I'm on here to see what your grandkids are doing, right? Or see a picture of your latest puppy. You know, I'm not on here to talk about politics. I exactly. I find all of that pointless, but. You know, and I know we're not supposed to talk about politics. It's my own rule. But I am kind of curious what you think about this, just since you're a philosophy kind of a guy and a philosophizer, if you will. Um, where do you think it all went wrong, man? Like uh, back in the day, I remember watching things on the television with my grandparents related to politics and things like that. And it wasn't controversial. And part of the fun of it was that you'd go behind this little curtain and you'd close it. And you'd vote however you wanted, and you never talked about it. It was like not an issue at all. Nobody questioned each other. Nobody argued or fought about it. You know, it just seems, to, and from my perspective anyway, that, you know, somewhere along the way, it got really aggressive and confrontational and judgmental and really, you know, unhealthy, quite honestly. And I'm just wondering where you think that all kind of went wrong. 
and, and th- this is not my area of expertise at all, so take this with a huge grain of salt, but I, I think sure. the the kind of the 24-7 news cycle, you know, you've got to have something to talk about. My, my mother-in-law is a news junkie, mm-hmm. and she keeps, you know, CNN or Fox or CNBC, or not CNBC, uh, MSNBC, playing constantly. And it's just the same nonsense over and over and over again. Um, my wife calls it the "you're evil, you know you're eviler," you know, school of politics. Uh, but I, but I think you've got to feed the news cycle. So you have to kind of make stuff up. I mean, I don't mean that literally, like making up facts, but you've got to amplify things that you know. Thirty years ago, by the time the papers came out, it would have died down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other thing is the whole uh, the megaphone effect of uh, of the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you see something and it gets reposted and it gets reposted and there are reactions to it and you know there's no gatekeeper and it just is like somebody screaming into a megaphone. Yeah. Um, but but I also want to say that we have control whether or not we of whether or not we listen to that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, we all have the ability to check out. From those kinds of things and to, you know, mute people or block people or, you know, all of that. If you have, everybody has to feel or has to take a little bit of responsibility, you know, if you don't like being exposed to that, then turn it off, turn out from it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, it's a weird thing. It's like, um, to me, it, uh, you know, kind of boils down to ego and pride and things like that. But like people seem to have, this strange desire to be popular or to be engaged in some way that feeds that algorithm that you're speaking of. And, you know, it's, it's just not healthy, you know what I mean? And, and all their time is spent glued to the screen instead of like going out and doing things or taking a hike or reading a book or whatever, you know, and it's just really, uh, to me, very strange. I was just kind of wondering what you thought about that. Yeah, I I really do think that we need to take personal responsibility to step away from it if it starts to bother us. Um, you know, I, this is going to sound so tangential and so ridiculous, but, but I, I I like sports, Mm -hmm. but I, I generally will not watch a game if I care about the outcome Mm -hmm. because I get too worked up and it's like, you know, that's not good for me. It's totally ridiculous to feel that way. And so I'm going to take control by just not putting myself in that situation. So, Man, you'd like uh, you'd like hanging out with me at a sporting event because I could care less who wins. I just like watching the people play, and if it's a if it's a game where I'm going to the stadium, I want the garlic fries and some beer. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, it's a game, um, but I will get caught up in it. Uh, we lived in St. Louis, uh, and you know, we're big Cardinals fans, and I'd, I'd go to a Cardinals game, but I wouldn't watch one on TV because I'd get too worked up. Um, so, yeah, you know, we don't take control by stepping away. Totally agree. Totally agree. Now, women's tennis, on the other hand, is something I can watch without any problems at all. <laughs> Did, have you watched uh, women's college basketball? Um, to, to be honest with you, I'm not all that impressed with it. Um, I've seen it. And uh, here in Henderson or Las Vegas, I should say, they have a new 
uh, team, a women's team that just won like two championships. And oh yeah, and I think it's great, you know, and all that. But there shouldn't be a division, you know. As far as I'm concerned, women and men should play together on the same team. Well, you know, it it, it was really interesting. I was um, I was at a conference somewhere when the women's NCAA tournament was going on, and found myself watching some of the games. I I, I loved it. Um, and I think it's, this is my theory, I, I think it's because the men at that level rely a lot on athleticism. Now, they're, they're obviously very, very skilled as well, but a lot of what they do is about athleticism. The women, although they're tremendous athletes, they seem to rely a lot more on technique. And strategy. Yeah, which is, you know, when I, I coached basketball for a couple of years uh, when I was younger and high school basketball, and, you know, that that's what I like to see. I mean, that's the kind of basketball that we tried to teach our players, and so I just thoroughly enjoyed watching those games. Interesting. And, and you know, I did I kind of quit watching men's basketball. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was kind of a revelation for me because I hadn't really watched it much. And I don't watch the WNBA, just haven't had occasion to, but. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I hate to sound shallow or superficial, but I never even considered that. I'll take another look at it from that perspective. That's really good that you brought that to my attention. I appreciate that. Well, and I, um, I would, just to be completely, you know, transparent about it, I, I just turned it on because I wanted something I could watch, you know, in a half hour break during the conference or whatever it was. So I, it, it was just, you know, you, you're in a hotel, you turn on, you don't know the channels. First thing that looks interesting, you start watching. I was like, yeah. wow, they were really good. So Exactly. Yeah, they sure are. It, it's, it's cool. I don't know, the separation of gender and all the weird things that go along with it, it, to me, is just kind of a distraction. But, you know, I understand why they have it. It's just, you know, I kind of like this. Some sports, I think that they could... They could have men and women doing right there side by side. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, um, I'm chuckling because we, uh, a number of years ago, I played in a mixed volleyball league. Mm -hmm. and, and the guys were, we were pretty okay. Man, but the, we, we just tore everybody up because our women were as good as most of the men. Absolutely. And so, you know, we, we just tore through that league because they were so good. That's so <laughs> My cool. sister-in-law played, and so they were like, wow, we're just, our job is just to block spikes and stay out of the way. Yeah, exactly. And I, I might want to add a caveat that, you know, maybe football, hockey, things like that might not be the best choice unless it's a big, burly woman. But, you know, they are the, the, the fairer sex, as they say. And, uh, you know. Uh, they they might break a little bit easier in some cases than a man would. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to hurt them. You know what I mean? We love our women. Women are great. Um, we'd be nowhere without them, right? Like, that I mean, you know, absolutely true in many ways. Absolutely, yeah. And um, just kind of diving back into your career and your daily life um, today, and and even you know throughout history in your life, whatever you'd like to share. Could you share some of your success habits and daily routines that help you develop and stay on track and, and keep moving forward, grow, and all that kind of stuff? You know, I've, I've found that hard work can do a lot. 
So I, I've had a lot of my success by just working harder than a lot of other people do. Um, and that's not to knock anybody else, but that's just been kind of my success. And also, th this is something that it took me a long time to learn. Um, and I didn't make this up, by the way. But you'll never be great on your weaknesses. So this idea of, you know, you've got to be a complete, you know, the complete package, it just isn't true. Nobody really is. Mm -hmm. And so you want to get your weaknesses shored up enough to where they don't hold you back, but then you really focus on your strengths. You know, you, you've become great and really successful by doing things that that play into your strengths while at the same time making it so your weaknesses don't drag you down. I see. And that's kind of been my philosophy. Um, and, you know, I, I'm... Without, I don't want to sound braggy, but what my strength is that I seem to have the ability to communicate complicated topics in a relatively understandable way. And so that's what I've tried to make my focus in a lot of ways. And also being able to connect things that maybe aren't necessarily obvious that, that they can be connected. Uh, one of Again, I didn't make this up, but uh, somebody once said that uh, uh, innovation is uh, connecting previously unconnected things, and that really resonated with me. And so I've gotten at least reasonably good at figuring out how to take, you know, kind of distinct ideas and figuring out a way to put them together. But that, mm -hmm. but that not trying. You got to you got to get your weaknesses to where they don't drag you down. Absolutely. But, but that's it. You know, really figure out where your strengths uh, are and how you can leverage those strengths and you'll be more successful. The The other thing, sorry, um, the other You're thing that, that I think is really important is that you have to define success in the right way. Mm -hmm. So one of the Stoics, I think maybe it was Epictetus, said something along the lines of never enter a race where you're not assured of victory. And what they were saying is you've got to define victory in the right way. Um, you know, if, if I'm trying to be a podcaster, I'm never going to be the best podcaster in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm never going to have the downloads that, you know, Jordan Harbinger or Joe Rogan or any, you know, one of those kind of folks yeah. have. But I can do the best job I'm able to do. And so my, my goal is to produce the best content I can, given my capabilities and my time. Mm -hmm. um, not that I wouldn't like to have, you know, hundreds of thousands or even hundreds of downloads, but... You know, if that's my goal, I, I want to have 50,000 downloads an episode, well, you know, I'm never going to be successful. But if my goal is to produce content that I'm happy with and I'm proud of, well, then, you know, I am successful. But I don't know if that made sense or not, but... Yeah, it sure does. It sure does. And um, can I ask, what was the moment, and I know we kind of touched on this, but when was it in your life that you considered yourself a success? 
when did it really hit home that man i'm i feel successful you know this is this is good I, you know i i think it started to hit me when i was in my doctoral program mm-hmm. you know i felt like i had found what i was good at and that i that intersection of what you're good at what um what you enjoy and what somebody's willing to pay for. You know, if you can get where those three things come together, you're going to have a pretty good life. And I was lucky enough to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I, you know, I teach information systems. They're important. They're popular. You know, there, there were opportunities for me and my, my abilities seem to be in alignment with what it takes to be a successful uh, college professor and, I enjoy the work. So that's when I really felt like I was successful. You know, even though, I mean, you know, the money could always be better, but it's enough. And it's, you know, if, if you can, let me let me back up. I know I'm rambling a little bit here. No, but I am, that's fine. I, I am a college professor, so we, we're ten, we tend to do that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I can't remember where I heard this, but I heard somebody say, you want a job where you hate Fridays and love Mondays. Mm. And that's what hit me with uh, when I really when I got into grad school. You know, I just loved being there and I loved the work. And I was kind of bummed out, you know, on the weekends when I wasn't going to be around the other doctoral students or the you know the the professors and that sort of thing. Um so I thought, wow, you know, that that's really something if you if you look forward to going to work. You know, that, that's a, I don't know how you can better define success than that. Awesome. And that reminds me of something I read somewhere along the way. Um, you know, the, your, your true calling in life is the thing that you can do the longest without getting tired. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good one. I have not heard that, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it sure does. And, and honestly, there's not too many things that are like that. At least for me, it was like... Um, doing website design and marketing and things. I, I told you about my agency that I started again here and right. I've been doing that stuff for 20 years. And I think my longest shift and I never took drugs, you know, smoke a little marijuana, but uh, all coffee powered, like my longest shift doing website work, uh, working for myself was 32 hours. Yeah, was a, that's a lot. <laughs> that must have been a lot of coffee. Time, brother. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of coffee too, exactly. A little break here and there, but no sleep. And it's like, man, this has got to get done. And I'm on a roll and I'm inspired and I'm loving this. This is fun. And, you know, I really, really enjoyed that. And also making music, you know, and I've been making music for 30 years and I've taken a break for the last couple of years, unfortunately, and I'd like to change that. But music is the other thing. You know, I can sit there until I fall asleep at the desk. <laughs> what, what, what kind of music? Um, I have uh, a brand um, that's called Electric Sex, and I started it back in 2008, and it's uh, basically based in electronic music. Okay. Um, everything from dance and, you know, uh, you know, house and breakbeat and, you know, crazy dance music uh, to hip hop, rap and pop and rock and even ethereal, very pleasant, you know, chill type music. I do it all, and uh, it's just an expression of my soul, and I really enjoy it. Um, I, I really want to get that turned on again, and I have another band uh, name that I won't mention now, but um, that I had decided a long time ago I would put another, you know, 
a special selection of my music, the more relaxing stuff under this other brand. Um, and I'm planning to do that before I uh, get too old to do it. <laughs> no, that's neat. That's neat. Yeah. That's it's my legacy. Nice. So th this is going to be really random, but are you looking into anything with the, is it AMSR? Now, what's that? Oh, um, you, you I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Sound microphone. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure I understand all of it, but, uh, you know, that, that strikes me as being pretty intriguing. Yeah, it's weird. It's stuff like this. It, it's it's literally this simple. Craig, Craig, you're a good person. Craig, hey, Craig, you're a good person. It's whispering. It's the sound of like a brush, you know, stroking a brush with your finger. It's the sound of hair being brushed. It's the sound of all sorts of weird things. And um, in some cases, you know, people find it to be erotic, I think, in some cases. But it's also just kind of calming and pleasant I, I honestly i've always thought it's kind of ridiculous but it's weird people are really into that and like they like to listen to these sounds and you know normal average everyday sounds and it might be because it triggers different things in our memory and our, yeah. our psyche or whatever could, um, yeah, could, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, a, it's it's interesting stuff there's another area, just since we're on the tangent here for a minute, um, that I've always found very interesting, and I've learned a bit about it, and uh, I think it's really fascinating, and if you've never thought about it, this will be good for you to hear, but um, frequencies, there's different frequencies that engage the human mind and body in ways that other things don't, and there's ways to transform ordinary music into various frequencies, and um, part of the way that works is the body operates on a frequency cycle. And um, I believe the natural body operating frequency is 60 hertz. If I'm not mistaken, it's somewhere in that range. And there's different things that bring it up and down. And uh, it could be, you know, happiness, sadness, you know, health, uh, you know, different things that relate to your homeostasis. But um, frequency response is really something. And apparently it really makes a difference. I've listened to some things that were uh, remixed, if you will, in these different frequencies. And I'm not sure if it's real or not, but it seems to be. I mean, it seems to be accurate. Um, but it's fascinating. And oh, by the way, um, just real quick, have you ever heard, and I've mentioned this three or four times through the year and a half or so, I've almost done this podcast. Um, have you ever heard of the water experiments? No, that does not sound familiar. Oh, brother. Yeah, you got to look this up. Um, sometime when you have a free moment, go to YouTube and look up the water experiments and you'll see there was this doctor and he was a really interesting guy. He figured out how to capture emotion in droplets of water. And so basically he would take little Petri dishes, put a drop of water in each one. And just for simplicity's sake, we'll go left to right. Uh, the left is love. I love you. I love you. I love you. The one next to it to the right is you're okay. You know, um, you're just okay. And then the one in the middle would be like, I don't really care about you. And then the one on the right would be, I hate you. And so basically you, uh, this gentleman, um, would, uh, focus his energy on these individual droplets of water with a very focused emotion based in one of those different areas. And of course, crossing the spectrum with probably hundreds of different emotions. But what he found and what's really beautiful, and you're going to be blown away by this is that, um, the love generated the most amazing patterns. He would flash freeze those, which means to instantly freeze 
and capture them under a microscope. So, you know, he would do the emotion direction, let's say, and then he would flash freeze these things, look at them under a microscope. And the love was always perfectly symmetrical and beautiful, like a snowflake, unbelievably detailed, just gorgeous, like you'd expect God to be, you know, for those that believe in God, um, he's a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, it's the creator of the universe, of course, he's the master of beauty. Um, but then when you go to the right and you get down to the hate and even in the middle, it lacks form and shape and there's no organization to it. It just looks like blah and um, it's downright ugly in some cases. And he did the same thing with music. So like classical music creates these beautiful patterns and it's amazing jazz, same thing. But if you get into like heavy metal and hard rock and stuff like that, it kind of lacks the form and shape. And what that really demonstrates is that you know, not only do we have the capability of interacting with energy and all that, but we're transmitters of that energy. We send out signals all the time without knowing it just from our thoughts and people receive those things. And because we're mostly water creatures, you know, our body are primarily water, you know, and skin and bone and all the other organs and things, the water that we have in our body absorbs and retains those energy forces, let's say, and um, they really make a big difference in your health and, you know, your mental state and all that, um, which is really fascinating. So, you know, the study really demonstrated that, you know, we have this um, hidden kind of ability and capability that really, you know, makes a huge difference. And if we're not careful, some of those negative thoughts that we practice or take in or expose ourselves to can actually impact our health in a negative way. And the positive ones um, impact our health in a positive way. And that's really cool. And there's one more part to this I just want to mention real quick, and then we'll get back to business and we're almost done. Um, but they also determined that you could go, for example, there were some monks somewhere in a country somewhere far away and there was a river that was polluted and the river was red it was polluted so poorly and whatever it was like red and so these monks sat around the river and i don't know how long it took days weeks whatever but like months maybe but the bottom line is they sat around and prayed around this river and just focused nothing but love and positivity and different things along those lines at the river and it actually healed the river and it became wow. clear again and um really something else yeah and the other one just on a sideline tangent i won't talk about but i'll just mention it for you to check out if you'd like is the rice experiment and the rice experiment's really cool it's simple two jars love and hate and uh, when you focus love on that jar for a month every day in darkness you put it in your closet or something so that the light doesn't affect it and then you focus hate on the other jar every day for a month the same time i kid you not the jar on the left, the one with love, is going to be white and clean, and you could probably eat it. The one on the right with hate is dark and ugly, and it's already molded, and it's gross, but it's amazing. So the power of our thought is such a fascinating thing. And, you know, I'm a failure in some ways in that way where I forget, you know, some of these things that I'm aware of, I need to really embrace more wholly so that I can really practice them in times of depression and uh, things like that when that hits. But yeah, man, it's like we're really interesting little machines that you yeah. know have signals and we receive signals and stuff. So it's good to, you know, kind of keep an eye on that stuff. And, you know, it, it, yeah. I, you know, there, there's a there's a lot that we can't explain or, or fully understand, but uh, I know my one of our dogs, Maggie, is she'll be 17 in March, 
Uh, and she's been my little mini me, you know, we, we spent hundreds of hours hiking together and that kind of thing. But I swear, if I get upset, I, I don't have to say anything. My facial expression yeah. doesn't change. I, I can be very poker faced. Yeah. I don't yell. I don't, nothing outward. And she will put her tail between her legs and walk away, put her ears down and walk away when, when I get like that. And with no, if you were standing right right in front of me, you'd have no clue that I was, I was getting upset. But man, she knows. I don't know how she knows, but she knows. Yeah, I think that's a product of instinct and uh, some sort of a psychic connection, personally. Yeah. Um, but I know exactly what you're saying. And animals with instinct and they want to love you when you're sad and all that. My cat used to do that all the time. And when I wasn't feeling right, she'd come over and just cuddle and purr. And like you could tell she was just loving on you because yeah. she knew you needed it, you know. Yep. And uh, we, you know, we've never hit these animals or anything like that so it's not that she's been beaten it's just <laughs> she knows okay i'm gonna act yeah. stage right yeah exactly if i want my treats later i better be cool now <laughs> that's right that's right she's so it's it's deaf and i swear she can still uh, sense when there's cheese involved somewhere right exactly it's such a beautiful thing i love animals they're such a blessing yeah. um awesome so we're gonna go over just a few minutes and i've got your heart stop in mind so we won't sure. go long but we're gonna just run over a few minutes today no um but there's two other things i really wanted to ask that are important i think for people listening first is um how would you push how do you describe how you push through your worst times like when challenge hits and all that how do you push through that um well, I, I really turn to what what I learned with stoicism. I focus on what I control, what I can control, and don't get all worried about what I can't control, what I cannot control. Mm -hmm. uh, my, mm -hmm. I lost my first wife to cancer, I'm sorry. and it was uh, you know without going into all of the details, it was uh, a rough couple of years. But the whole time, I got through it by focusing on what I could do to help her, and not getting overly hung up on the unfairness of somebody who had no bad habits and was healthy otherwise getting this terrible disease. That's right. But that really taught me that you can endure a lot uh, if you just focus on what's right in front of you and what you can do in this moment. You can't. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm making it sound much more perfect than I executed this, but... You know, getting getting upset about what's already happened or about your situation or getting anxious about the future isn't productive. You know, it's what, what can I do right now? Well, I can get her a walker right now, or I can do this, or I can do that. That's what I can do right now. And I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm just going to worry about right now. And Absolutely. Again, I, I don't want to make it sound like this is an easy thing to do or that anybody no, of course. is perfect at it, but that attitude can get you through a lot of really, really difficult things. It's just what I need to focus on what I can do right now, yeah. not what I can't do. May I ask something, just kind of taking that one step further? Sure. So what about in the absence of the person that you lost after that, when you're struggling with grief and depression and all that, like, how would you say you got through those times? It well, the same thing. 
Yeah, I mean, it's partially the same thing, but what, what I really tried to focus on was trying to find the sense of gratitude that I had time with her when I did have time with her. Yes. Um, you know, the reason that we feel loss is because of what we gained from our from our relationship with somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you are going to feel that sense of loss that you're without mm-hmm. them. But I tried to focus on the huge benefits that I had having her in my life for the relatively short period of time that I did. Um, and really tried to focus on that. That's why I feel loss is because I gained so much from her. Uh, you know, if you lose a penny, who cares? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, it doesn't benefit you. But and I'm not equating this in any way. But mm-hmm. you know, the you, the more intensely you feel the loss, the more benefit you gained from having that person in your life. And so that's what I really tried to focus on. Good advice, brother. Good advice, man. And then finally, um, what advice would you give to someone just starting out in their career path or their direction in life? So define your own success. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get to define your success. And then uh, one of the the maxims that I try to live my life by, as a matter of fact, it's in my email signature, is see your possibilities, not your limitations. Yes. We, We all have limitations, but we have innumerable possibilities. And there are uh, infinite paths to freedom and happiness. You just need to focus on finding those paths, not worrying about the paths that are close off to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great advice. Did you take that advice as you were growing up? Uh, you know, eventually, yeah. Um mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't waste, uh, and again, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm perfect at this, but I, I try really hard not to waste time on worrying about what isn't or, or what isn't going to be or what wasn't. I'm just going to focus mm-hmm. on what can be. You know, what can I do? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and honestly, I need to hear that too. Um, you know, to be reminded of that's very important. I think I'm going to write that down and, you know, have you send me an email. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I could read your signature. And then finally, Craig, just to wrap things up here today, um, I just want to make sure we didn't miss anything that might be on your heart or in your mind. And then I want to plug whatever you want to plug. So um, it's all about wanting to get people connected with you and tuned into you if they feel um, like doing so. So is there anything on your heart or mind that we might have missed today that you'd like to share? Yeah, I I think everybody needs to cut each other a little bit more slack, uh, including ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, the the world is tough. Uh, there's a lot of really hard things about life, and we've been through some very strange times, and they continue. So you know, don't get too down on other people or or on yourself. Uh, nobody's perfect. Uh, we're all trying to get through life and, you know, we can get through it a lot better if we work together than if we are constantly criticizing and denigrating each other. Absolutely. So, and I, I'd love for people to listen to my podcast. Uh, it's called Live Well and Flourish and all of the episodes are available at livewellandflourish.com. Uh, a lot of the things I've talked about today, I've done episodes on. Um, so I'd really love it if people would Give it a shot. And, you know, if you like Me it, too. keep listening. Uh, if you don't, Absolutely. tell me what you don't like. Um, yeah, exactly. And then you can talk about it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. 
maybe they'll be a guest on your episode. <laughs> and, and I really appreciate you having me on. I enjoyed the conversation quite a bit. Me, me too, Craig. And just out of curiosity, is your podcast a solo effort or do you have guests on your show? It, it is a solo effort. We, when we started out, I had a co-host and we did interviews, but uh, it, a couple of years ago, it morphed, morphed over to just me. Um, Very cool. Yeah, how long are your episodes on average? So I do one. Um, I do short episodes and longer episodes, and the short episodes are five or six minutes, and the long episodes are fifteen, sixteen minutes. So they're short. Really? Yeah, they're short and really focused. I try to get in, make the point, and get out. That's cool, man. I got something to learn from that. I ramble on for an hour. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you you, you got to find your own path, man. Got to find your own. No, path. it's cool. I like it a lot. And honestly, the time goes by so fast. There's always something that I miss. And it's like, man, I, I can't believe how fast that went, you know. And when you when you think time drags and you're sitting there waiting to get off work or something like that for people that are like that, um, you know, you come hang out with me and like the hour will be gone before you know it. <laughs> yep, indeed. That's, that's my experience. That is awesome. Very cool. Well, I just want to thank you again, Craig Van Slyke. I really appreciate you sharing with us today, and I just want to thank you for being on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. My pleasure, and I hope to talk to you again sometime in the future. Yep, likewise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out toddcastshow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. 
BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.